Welcome to New Freedom Church, where we believe that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen. Isn't that what we want? It's freedom. We want true spiritual freedom from our Lord. My name is Joe, and I have the privilege of serving here as lead pastor. If I haven't met you yet, uh, we would love to connect together. There's coffee in our lobby. I'd love to meet with you out there. We have a free gift for you. And if you're joining us online, there's a digital connect card. You can let us know that you're joining us. There's a prayer request form there, too. We would love to know what you're praying about. So today, we turn the calendar in our uh, pursuit of a new year for Sunday mornings, especially. Uh, And in the midst of all the uncertainty and the upheaval that we've seen through 2020, it would be tempting for us to think, for us to just to, to imagine for a moment that nothing could take us by surprise at this point, right? I mean, it would be real tempting to think that. Uh, I get the privilege this morning to reveal to you the word for the year. And uh, I want you to just maybe for a moment, as you're sitting here and processing this over the next few moments, I want you to lay aside that thought that nothing could take you by surprise. 2020 was a year of prayer. We're not going to stop there. We're going to keep praying. We're going to do that. Uh, But 2021 is going to be a different year for all of us, for a nation, for for the world. But uh, I want you to not think that nothing could take you by surprise. It's easy to think, okay, I've seen it all, I've done it all. Nothing can catch me off guard at this point. Because I believe that God has some unexpected things for us in 2021. These are good things. These are are blessed things. I was uh, sharing with some friends of mine uh, several years ago, a couple pastor friends of mine, and you know I was almost a, a little bit uh, uh, wondering how it is that every year it seems like they get given a word for the year. Like somehow there's a word that is given to them. And I, I started to think, that's pretty cool. That's neat. And it kind of sets the direction for the ch- course of the church. And, and so I want to do that. And I, I began kind of lamenting. Everybody ever whined to God a little bit? Am I the only one? You just kind of whined to the Lord a little bit. I was whining to God. And I was saying, Lord, you've never given me a word for the year. And he said, well, you've never asked. You have not because you ask not. And I said, yes, sir. I've never asked. Give me a word for the year, not just something that, that I just dream up or, or, or think is nice and neat and, and, and catchy and, and will be fun, but give me something that I can really set the course for our congregation, a word from heaven, something that you would have us to chart out a course, to go hard after the heart of God, something that you would determine for our church. And I believe that God has been doing that over the past several years, giving us a word that will determine our year. And so this year for 2021, we are going to embrace all that God has for us. And our word for this year is going to be encounter. We are going to have an encounter with God. We are going to, spiritually speaking, position ourselves to get to the place where God meets with us face to face. Let me define the word encounter. An encounter is an unexpected, it's something you didn't anticipate, it's an unexpected experience or to come face to face. I call it a face to face meeting. An encounter is not like what you thought something would be like. An encounter is unexpected. The, the best uh, encounter that we have ever seen in scripture By the way, the Bible is a book of encounter. The Hebrew scriptures and the Christian scriptures are a book of encounters where people unexpectedly, unexplainable, they have this meeting with God. But the best that we could ever see, we just came past in December when 
God tabernacled with us when God became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus is the ultimate encounter for mankind to God. But beyond that, I believe that by God's spirit, he still is drawing people to have an unexpected experience of face-to-face meeting with him. And that's what we want to do this entire year. I want to chronicle all year long some encounters that people have had with God. And I want to hear about your encounters with God. I believe that there will come times this year that out of nowhere, something will happen, something will occur. You will be caught off guard, taken by surprise at the majesty, the splendor of how God will show up and do the miraculous in your life. I'm reminded of an Old Testament story. One of my early uh, church fathers that are favorite of mine is, is Moses. Moses, you know, is a, a man who was born under the threat of death. He was a Hebrew and his mother was a Hebrew and it was against the law for her to have a child. There was, there was not a, a means by which that she could raise him. And so when Moses was born, his mother, by faith, made a little ark, if you will, out of some leaves and she put her baby boy in that little makeshift boat and she sent him down the river. The first story we see of a parent selling a child down the river. She put him down the river. But she had a hope and an expectation that somehow this blessing that she was given would have life, would have, would have an opportunity to, to live. And so the story goes on that Pharaoh's daughter happened to be out there seeing this. She was bathing in the water and uh, she sees this, this little raft floating up and she has her maiden go and take baby Moses out of the water. She is so struck in her heart by this child that she decides that she will take him on and she'll raise him as her own. And she says to her maiden, she says, go and find me a Hebrew woman who can nurse this child. Uh, Miraculously, what happens is the maiden goes and gets Moses' very mother and brings back Moses' mother, unbeknownst to Pharaoh's daughter, and says, here's someone who's ready to nurse this child. Unexpectedly, she had an encounter Moses' mother had an encounter with royalty. She was able to wean her son until he was old enough that he no longer needed her sustenance to live, and Moses was raised in the house of Pharaoh for 40 years. We don't know a whole lot about Moses, the prince of Egypt. There's a a great movie and cartoon about it, but we don't know a whole lot according to the Hebrew Bible about his life up to age 40, except for the part that tells us that there was an altercation where Moses recognized who he really was, he came to realization that he was not the son of a Pharaoh's daughter and that he was actually a Hebrew by descent. And God started calling and drawing on the heart of Moses. Something will happen when you start to really find out who you are, when you know who you truly are in Christ, not what people have called you, not what you've thought about yourself, not the lies you've bought into that the world is pressing on you, but when you truly find out who you are in Christ, there will be this activation on the inside of you that you want to know more. You want more of God, and there is more than what you see. There is more than what you've been told. God has hidden treasures in heaven for us, all kinds of bursting opportunities if we will have spiritual ears to hear and eyes to see what God is doing. 
So Moses, born under the threat of death, spends 40 years in the palace as royalty, now finds himself on the run as a fugitive, and he takes up the trade of a shepherd. For the next 40 years, Moses lives in obscurity. He lives a life as a tender of the flock. He's on the backside of the desert, not a place where you can find fame or fortune. He's about 78, 79 years old, well past retirement age, and he's ready to settle in that this was my lot in life. This was all that it encountered to. This was all that I was supposed to achieve. But God, somebody say, but God. But God had other plans. For Moses was about to have a divine encounter. And when you and I get to the place where we stop striving, where we stop working it out according to our logic and trying to put all the pieces together and trying to make it all fit and trying to wiggle our way into this group and push our way into that group and get in this door. Listen, if God closed the door, then don't walk through the door. But if God opens one, you better run through it. Heard a man say one time that, that he was praying about the call in his life and, and he said, you know, the life, life situations were getting really, really hot and, and I saw an open window and I didn't have to pray for a door, I went through the window. <laughs> you and I have to be ready to go through the window, if necessary, of God's opportunity in our life. And Moses found himself in Exodus chapter three, I wanna read the text, called through an encounter. He was called through an encounter. Here's what it says. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he had led the flock to the backside of the desert. He had come to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush does not burn. Moses used his logic. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and I'm going to investigate this. Turn aside means I'm going to go figure this out. How many have been trying to figure out some things in your life? You've been trying to put all the pieces together. You've said to yourself, I'm going to go and I'm going to turn aside. I'm going to figure this out. So the Lord, verse four, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the bush and said to him, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. A bush being on fire was not altogether a unique sign for a shepherd who had been tending the flock for almost 40 years. Lightning would strike and a bush would turn on catch on fire and it would burn up until it finally burned out. This was a common occurrence, just like it is today. This is nothing new. This was pretty commonplace for a shepherd to see that bushes would be on fire, especially in the geographic location where Moses was at. But this day, something was different. For as he looked over and he saw this fire, it first was second glance. It didn't even take him by surprise, but he noticed that something was different. And as he drew near to this bush, what was different was this one was on fire, but it wasn't going up in smoke and descending into ash. This bush was not being consumed. This caught his attention. This was interesting. This was unique. I think I'll investigate. And this happens to us. What we 
go through the humdrum of our life, everything is normal, everything is natural, and all of a sudden something somehow will catch us by surprise. It's an unexpected experience. Moses had an encounter with God. Out of the bush came a voice. This voice said, Moses, Moses, the double annunciation of God. Only seven people in Scripture ever received a double call from God, a double annunciation. Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Saul of Tarsus, others. A double annunciation of God. And when God calls your name twice, it is for the purpose of getting your attention, yes, but it is also to schedule a test. It's to prophesy and predict a promotion, but it's to schedule a test. And it's to announce an encounter. None of us like to go through the test. What we want is the promotion, right? Just elevate me, God. Just, you, you've seen how good I've been doing, God. Just, just bring me on up to the place you want me to be. No, there is no promotion without a test. There is no testimony without a test. Everybody wants to see the rainbows. Nobody wants to see the rain. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. We want the blessing, but are we willing to have the encounter? Because the encounter is challenging. An encounter with God will compel you. An encounter with God will call you. An encounter with God will correct you. An encounter with God will commission you. Go ye, therefore, into all the world. Not just one little location, but all of your world. What are you to go do? Go and tell them about the good news that there's a Savior who bleeds. There's a cross that saves. There's a hill that offers forgiveness. There is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's an encounter, an exchange that we have with the Almighty. And, and Moses when he got close and he investigated it, he hears these words and it says, take off your sandals for where you now are standing is holy ground. It's no longer a common place where you are, Moses. 2021 is not some humdrum normal kind of a year. This is a unique experience that we're engaged upon. This is a destined time in world history that you and I are alive. We weren't born in the 1800s. We weren't born in the 1500s. We weren't born in the first century. We have been called to the kingdom for such a time just like this. These are holy days. But Moses was told that there have to be some prerequisites for you getting close and encountering a holy God. First of all, he said, Take off your shoes. What's that speak of? It speaks of something that is normal, that is natural, something of the old that must not pass into the new, something that must be shed and put away and done away with in order for you to walk into the newness that God has for you. Moses had to take off his shoes because he was drawing into an encounter that was a holy encounter with God. It was something different. It says that the angel of the Lord appeared. This is a, 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 a pre-incarnate Jesus. This was a, an encounter with not just any angel. This is the angel of the Lord. This is Jesus. This was unlike anything. 
2021, we're going to have the same God, but we're going to see him manifest in new and in various ways. This holy ground means that the way you are coming, you have never been before. None of us have ever lived in times like this before. We are called for this season, for this new opportunity to break forth the gospel message, the good news of Jesus into our entire world. An encounter is also a face-to-face meeting. If you fast forward 30 chapters in Exodus, you can see that the Bible tells us that God spoke to Moses face-to-face as a man would speak to his friend. And here's what happened is that God would call Moses up to a mountain the mountain of God, he would give Moses an instruction and then Moses would have to veil his face to go and take his instruction back to the people. Moses was the representative from God to the people. You and I represent Jesus Christ in everything we say and do to our world, to our eight to 15 people who we have influence over. We may be the only Christian that they know. We are the ones who are receiving a download from heaven. You're here today to receive an encounter with God, but it doesn't stop here today because as you go outside these four walls, you are a temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. And out of nowhere, unexpected to you, because you've encountered God, there will come words out of your mouth. You will have words of wisdom, words of knowledge, something to tell someone who is weary, and you'll give them a word in season to the one who is weary. And they'll say, where did you come up with that? And you'll be surprised yourself because it's not you. When you've drawn near to the holy, something new activates and God breaks forth. And this is what was happening to Moses. And he would go to the mountain. He would get a download from God. He would veil his face for the glory was shining all around him. And he would tell the people. That's what Exodus 33 and verse 11 says. But then when you read a couple of verses later, it says that Moses was so acquainted with the divine, he had been encountering God for so long that he finally got the boldness to ask God this question. He said, show me your glory. Show me your glory. I don't even know if Moses really knew what he was asking for, but somebody in this place this morning is going to this year have the boldness to ask God, I want to know you in the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of of your suffering. Someone is going to get the boldness to ask God, I want to see your glory. And here's what the scriptures tell us. When Moses, who would talk to God face to face, encountering God, asked to see God's glory, you know what God told him? No one can see the Lord face to face and live. But wait a minute, I thought that it just said that Moses talked to God face to face. God gave him a revelation and said, when I pass by you will be able to see behind. You'll be able to see the back parts. You'll be able to see afterwards what was happening. And here's what you need to know about experiencing the divine. You don't get a precursor every time of what's about to happen, but when you look from a vantage point from behind, now it makes sense. Now I see, okay, that's what you were doing, God. Oh, the encounter was so that I would be able to put the pieces together later. God doesn't give you the whole story up front. Anybody ever noticed that? I'll go, Lord. Just tell me how it fits. A to Z. Go ahead. Lay it out. I'm here. I got my pen. I'm ready. God says, no, 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 no. I'll give you A. I'll give you Z. But you got to walk through LMNOP. (laughs) Anybody relate to that? God, if you would just give me the whole thing up up front, I could have easily trusted you with it. God said, no. I'm not in the revealing of it all up front business. I'm in the faith business. That's what God's in. So the scripture says that when 
Moses asked to see God's glory. God passed by and he only saw him from the back. That's because the face-to-face contact that he had was shrouded, it was veiled. But when he asked to know a deeper revelation of God, when he asked to know his glory, he couldn't handle the glory of God because God said, no man has ever seen the face of God and lived. In other words, what God is saying is, what you have encountered to this point is great, it's wonderful, but if, you, if I gave you the full revelation of who I am, your own flesh and blood couldn't handle it. We serve a God that is so great that we cannot even comprehend. We can't even contain his glory but he has given us a foretaste of that glory divine. He has given us a deposit of his spirit so that we might just for a moment savor, behold what we know of this great God. But transitioning over from Moses, let's let's fast forward to the Christian Bible, to the book of Matthew. In Matthew, we see common people encountering Jesus. And that's me and you. We're common people. And we want to encounter an uncommon God. And there is plenty of proof for this. Uh, This entire year, the Bible is all filled with people who have encountered God. And this entire year, I want us to look for those encounters. I want you to think about your own life's encounters. I want you to see that God does not call the qualified. But God qualifies the called And you don't have to take a stage to be a representative of the gospel in your own life. That God will take the common and he will make it uncommon. This is the story of Matthew's gospel. Chapter four, and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. We know their trade. We know that they were doing their business. They were doing a very honorable skill. They were helping an entire community eat fish, and that's what they were trained to do. And Jesus saw these two brothers. Verse 19, then he said to them, get this, follow me. Follow me. Jesus is still encountering people with these two words, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. God will use an encounter of a common person to change the trajectory of their life. Look at verse 20. They immediately, everybody say that with me immediately. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Peter and Andrew were so compelled by this encounter with the divine that they didn't even question what it was going to cost. They immediately dropped their nets and followed Jesus. Notice this. All that Jesus asked them was if they were willing to take a step of faith to go beyond this encounter with some action and simply follow. He didn't ask them about their doctrine. He didn't care if they had the four spiritual laws and knew the Romans road. He didn't care about how they were dressed or where they had been the the night before. All Jesus asked was, will you follow me? In fact, it was really more of a command. It was an invitation. It was, follow me. 
and I will make you, the transformation happens by God's activity, not by ours, I will make you fishers of men. And here's what we have to see from this story because we get this wrong in the church all the time. We think that as soon as we come to Jesus, then everything that we have previously known and learned and everything that God has brought us through to that point, we just have to check that at the door because now that we're a new creation, all things have to be done from this day on all new. No, 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 no. Here's, here's what you need to know. Everything you have been through up to the time in which you followed Jesus was testing ground, was proving ground. It was the process by which God was readying you and preparing you to do what he has called you to do. You don't have to discard all the things that you knew before. Hey, if you were a slick card player in the world, then God will give you a hand in the church. I know that most church people are playing cards. Listen, if you're slick in the world, God will make you even better with those skill sets in the church. I was, I was out here a couple years ago. We, we did a celebrate recovery uh, night and we had a baptism and I was out in the lobby and this, this guy had just got baptized and I was walking past and there was a chuckle down the hallway and I said, what are you all laughing at? They said, well, we couldn't get in this office door and TJ just took out his credit card and slipped it right in there. He just picked that lock and got right in that door. I said, well, look at how God uses something from the world to get you in the door that you need to go to in the church. And God will use everything in your past. There's nothing wasted. There's nothing that he can't redeem. And here's what he told these two brothers. I will make you fishers of men. In other words, you're still going to be fishers. You're just after a different product. (laughs) You're still going to use your skill set. You're just going to do it in a different way. You're going to do it with integrity now. You're going to do it to better people's lives. And he didn't make them sign a code of ethics a statement of faith, or anything before they came to follow Jesus. I'm so glad that God did not make me have all the right doctrine before he called me to the kingdom. Because over the years, there have been things that I have changed my doctrine. You know what doctrine is? It's a statement of faith. It's what you believe. It's, it's like a, 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 a tenet of, of how you, you see God working, what, what you think about things. And God has, has changed that in my life over 26 years so many times. I used to think that if I just kept all the rules and I obeyed, then God would be happy with me. That if, if Joey just did it all right and, and I didn't sin all week and I could come into church and I could raise up my hands and I could worship because I was pure and I was holy. I used to think that, but God messed with my doctrine. God changed my mindset when I recognized that it's not by works of righteousness which I have done, but according to his mercy that he saved me. And therefore, I've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. And I come into a place of worship, having sinned yesterday, having really blown it the week before, and I can raise up my hands without wrath and doubt because it's not based on my goodness, it's based on his sacrifice. I used to think that might was right. That if we just fight harder, that if we just engage more, that that if we just push our agenda, we, we will get our way. I used to think that there have to be a certain order to things and, and God is going to, to bring all the bad people to bear and he's going to raise up all the good people. And then I start reading the New Testament and I realize that the best person who has ever lived followed all the laws was hated by the religious community, despised and arrested, put to death for doing the right thing. I used to think that if you always do the right thing, you'll always be rewarded. It's not so. Sometimes the right thing will cause you to be crucified. 
I used to have all of these, these doctrinal mindsets of things that, that I thought, if I just do this, it'll work. I used to think that the Lord helps those, you ready? Can you finish it for me? Who help themselves. That's not Bible. The problem with that is it's not Bible. Because he lifts up the weak and the lowly. That in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. When I'm strong, when I know it all, when I have it figured out, God just sits back and says, go ahead. Since you're so smart, figure it out. Since you got it all together, you can do it yourself. You don't need faith for what you can do. But when you have an encounter with God, when you have an unexpected experience, when you are brought to your level knees, when you are brought to the place of saying, not I, but you, I must decrease, but he must increase. Now you're on the pathway to a blessing from the Father. Now you're in the place of an encounter with God. See, these men, they still smell like fish. They still had the garments of where they came from. You know, they tell you in the business world, dress for success. If you want to go places, then look like you're somebody. But these men, they still had the garments that stunk like fish. And yet Jesus called them to follow him. I wonder what would happen at 840 Miller Road, New Freedom Church, if someone who had just got off a fishing boat but had heard our live stream and know that we're still in service stink like fish, I wonder what happened if they walked in here, they had taken off their shoes because they recognized there's something different about this place. They walked in here barefoot, stinking like fish with a bunch of outer garments. Where would we sit them in the church? The book of James says we should put them right there down front. But so many churches put them out there. You can sit back here where you don't bother the righteous crowd. Now, I didn't make any New Year's resolutions. Some of y'all did. You already broke them. So, so yesterday, I was, I was teasing with a couple of friends of mine. They said, what's the word for the year? I said, well, I'm, I'm thinking about changing it. They well, wait a minute, Pastor. You've already had a banner made. What's the word for the year? I said, no, I'm thinking about going to two words. Two words? What, what are two words? Two words. Perfect attendance. That's the words for the year. And so far, everyone has it, so don't break it. Don't mess this thing up. But I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do no New Year's resolutions either, but I found this one today, and I think I'm just going to borrow it. This year, I want to be more like Jesus. How many want to be more like Jesus? I want to hang out with sinners. I want to upset religious people. I want to tell stories that make people think. I want to choose the unpopular friends. I want to be kind and loving and merciful. And I want to take some naps on a boat. How many want to be like Jesus? I want to be like Jesus. Come follow me. That's all he asks. He doesn't ask you to fix yourself first. That's what we've always tried to do get people to clean it up, polish it up, powder it, puff it, put it in, all that kind of thing. And that's not what God asks. He says, come, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You tired? You've been trying it yourself? Yeah, you're tired. It takes a lot of effort to try to be good. I know. I easily can get into the pharisaical mind. Of all people in this room, I can be a Pharisee in heart. 
I've got the degree. I've got the platform. I, I have the, the understanding. I've got the connections. But God, help me in 2021. I want to encounter the divine. I want to have an unexpected experience. God, I want to see you face to face. If it means shedding all of my religious garb, I want to know you. I want to encounter you. God, you can surprise me. It's okay. I don't have to have everything expected in neat order. You can astound me. God, you can correct me. Anybody ever got a Jesus whipping? I thought mama's whippings were bad. A Jesus whipping will have you repenting. It'll have you apologizing. It'll have you making restitution. I was in Bible college. I was 18 years old. 1999, one of my great friends in junior high, his dad was a dentist. I always liked to hang out with Brandon because he always had a pocket full of money and I didn't have any. And I remember one time that we went to a haunted house. I know you're not supposed to go to haunted house. I wasn't a Christian, okay? We went to a haunted house. I didn't have the $5 to get in the haunted house. Listen, God can even redeem a haunted house. Listen, I didn't have the $5 to get in. I told Brandon, I said, I'll pay you back. Just pay my way. I was 14. Of course I wasn't going to pay him back. But I'm reading my Bible one day in Bible college. I was doing the Christian thing. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Lord brought back to my mind that I had never paid Brandon back $5. I hadn't talked to Brandon in five years. I'd moved. He had moved. I called Someone back at our hometown, I said, hey, do you have Brandon's number? They're like, hey, it's good to hear from you. I haven't heard from you so long. We chatted a little bit. And no, I don't have his number, but I have his address. I sat down and I wrote Brandon a letter. I tucked $5 in there. I said, hey, by the way, I'm sorry I didn't pay you back for that haunted house. I made restitution. Put my phone number on there. Didn't know if he'd ever call. He called me a week later. We had an hour-long conversation about how our lives were before Christ and how my life happened after Christ. And I was able to witness and testify. And I got that little spiritual spanking from Jesus, but I made restitution. And God used that little $5 bill to plant the seed of the gospel in my friend. And when you have an encounter with God, people are going to think what you're doing is crazy. You don't know that $5 back. Why even worry with it? Well, because God wants to use it for his glory. God has a purpose in that. Why are you going to apologize to that family member? They were the one that wronged you. You know what? They probably think that you wronged them. What's the scripture tell us? If you come to the altar with your offering and there you remember that your brother or sister has ought against you, don't even leave the offering. It's dirty money then. Go and make amends with them. What the scripture said was that they have ought against you, not you had with them. It doesn't matter. An encounter with God is the great equalizer. You know what can happen when you have an encounter with God? Words like, I'm sorry, come a whole lot easier. Words like, please forgive me, come a whole lot better. Words like, I was wrong, come from a pure place. People are going to think you're nuts. But it's okay to be a little bit nuts if you're turned on to the right screw. Get about the Father's business. Have an encounter with the divine. And God will take something that is common and he'll make it uncommon. But just know that it will require change. Jesus said he would make them what he wanted them to be. 
And the invitation to come follow Jesus is still alive today. It's still with us even now. You see, westernized Christianity is heavy on religion, but it's light on encounter. Hear me. Western Christianity have all the rules. We're so smart. We have all the theological books. We have all the answers. But do we really have the spirit of Christ? Do we really have what this world wants the most? And that's not all of our pithy answers. It's not all of our well-crafted arguments. It's not all of our apologetics. What the world really wants is they want to know that we love. They'll know that you are Christians by the love that you have for one another. Not because you're so smart and educated, but because you love one another. Carl Menadiris says this, as Christians, we're faced with a problem difficult to see because it's so obvious. We are aware of Jesus, but we're obsessed with Christianity. We're stuck on its requirements and we're defined by its doctrines. Caught in the endless struggle to find out where we fit. If we have arrived yet, if we are doing it right, we're trying to maintain our membership. Am I the only one that's ever just wondered, have I arrived yet? Am I there? Did did, did I make you happy today, God? There's nothing wrong with wanting to make God happy, but if you're doing it by works of the flesh, if you're doing it out of simple ritual and obligation, listen, if you feel that you're obligated to have to get up every Sunday morning and drag your sorry self in here, then you should keep your sorry self at home. I know it's not a real good endorsement for church attendance in 2021. That's why I didn't use perfect attendance because I knew I might just say something that might offend. But that's okay because the word of God is a sharp instrument. It's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's piercing. It defies And it divides and asunder the spirit and the flesh. But here's what I know about the word of God is it's precious. That as it cuts going in, it heals when it comes out. And if you will read this book, then this book will read you. And as this book reads you, now the encounter you have with the divine leaps off of this page. These words become more than just black ink on a white page, but they become living. They become live. They become truth. This is a God-breathed document. It's inspired and it's living. I want to encounter him. Oh, I want to know him. I want to see the glory of God. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you and I encounter him and we are transformed from common to uncommon, we become a rare commodity in this world. Our lives become a sweet-smelling aroma to God, and that is attractive to a sin-weary world. Yes, I said it, sin. It's the little three-letter word that we all have in common and nobody wants to talk about. Sin. Hear me. There is nothing that you can do that will keep Jesus from you. 
But there's a lot of things that you can do that'll keep you feeling away from Jesus. And when you don't feel that you measure up, when you don't feel that you're good enough, when you know that you have not allowed the Spirit of God to cleanse from within, then you distance yourself from God. Don't do it in 2021. Let this year be a year of encountering the divine, unexpected experiences with God, a face-to-face meeting with the one who made you, the God who loves you, mercy and grace calling to you every day. I'm going to circle back to our friend Moses. Scriptures tell us that Moses was compelled to go and be a deliverer for God's Hebrew people that were in slavery. At 80 years old, God commissioned Moses. He wasn't looking for fame. He wasn't looking for fortune. He was on the backside of a desert in obscurity. And maybe that's exactly where God needs to get some of us to pluck us out of that place and put us where he really needs us to be for our future. See, when you stop striving, when you stop contending, when you stop trying, you attract the attention of God. Moses was 80 and God said, go and tell Pharaoh, set my people free, let my people go. Moses had every excuse in the book. In his mind, he's thinking, okay, I've been in hiding from Pharaoh for 40 years and all of his armies for what I've done. Why would I go back to that place? I'll be apprehended. No, God, count me off the list. I'm not going. God said, I'm gonna empower you beyond what your critics or what the law enforcement can even handle. You're gonna go. Moses thought, well, I can't get out of that one. Okay, God, I can't go because I stutter. Got a stutter problem. Can't do it. God said, okay. I'll give you Aaron, it'll be your mouthpiece. Hmm. Well, God, me and Aaron can't make, I'll I'll send Mary, I'll send your sister too. I'll give somebody else. When you're weary from the battle and your hands are dragging down, Moses, I'll give someone to raise up both hands. Every excuse in the book and God wouldn't take any of them from Moses. He called Moses to be a deliverer. And here's what Moses asked God. When I get there, whom shall I say sent me? This was important to him. He wanted to know that the people would receive him. And you and I are the same. We want people to like us, don't we? We want, people, we want to know people would receive us. We don't want to be rejected. And this is what Moses asked. Exodus 3 and 14, it says, and God said, you know, God's speaking right now. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Jesus hearkened back to this same reference when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection I am the truth. I am the shepherd. I am the gate. I am the door. Jesus is the great I am. He's recognizing 
right here, Moses is seeing that God is the one who's sending him. You see, for all your unexpected experiences in 2021, God wants you to know that he is the great I am. God wants you to know that he's got you. That regardless of what happens, I am has sent you to your world. So my question to you today is, what do you need? What do you need from God? Because he is your sustenance. He is your strength. He is your supply. He is your source. He is your healing. He is your salvation. He is your joy. He is your peace. He is your happiness. He is the one that has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. What do you need? God is. He said the same to Moses that he's saying to you today. Whatever you need, God's got your back. With heads bowed and eyes closed, it's between you and God right now. I wonder how many in this room, how many watching us online would desire a true encounter with God this year? You don't have to wait all year long. You can have it right now today. You simply come to God by faith. With a broken and contrite heart, the scripture says he will not turn away, but he's right there. Maybe you're coming to him for the first time and all you have to do is admit that you're a sinner in need of a savior and say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're taking that step of faith that you've taken many times before and you just wanna renew that right said spirit on the inside of you. You just want this encounter with God to grow deeper and deeper. You've been serving him for many years, but there seems to have been a little bit of a dry spell this past year. Fellowship has been waning this past year. We haven't been able to connect and communicate like we used to before. Maybe life experiences have knocked you down. Discouragement and depression has clouded your heart and you just don't feel as close to God as you used to. Listen, he is the great I am and he wants to come to your need. He wants to come to your rescue. He wants to wrap you in his arms today. Father, I thank you that you have sent to us mercy and grace in the person of Jesus that we have all we need when we're complete in Christ. And in Christ, we are new creations. Thank you today that we can, with humble hearts, lift up our lives as a sacrifice and say, like Moses said, here I am, here I am. Would you say that to God this morning? Here I am. Say it out loud so that you can hear it in your own ears. Here I am. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for speaking to us through your truth. Thy word is truth. Now, God, we treasure this word in our hearts, this word of the year, encounter. We want a fresh encounter. We want to know you. Reveal yourself to us. In Jesus' name, and everyone who agrees says amen Amen. and amen. God bless you. So glad that you joined us today. For those of you that uh, have been around here a while, you know that there's multiple ways that you can participate financially here in your local church and help us to move the mission forward. But it's the beginning of a brand new year. And so I just encourage you to really put your life on the line before God. And there's, there's one great demonstrative way that you can do that, and that is through partnering with your local church through your giving. We believe that the tithe is 10% of your sanctified gross income and the offering is anything beyond that, anything above that. And this is the only place in scripture where God tells us 
that we can test him, we can try him. He says, see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there is not room enough to contain. Now, I'm not here to tell you that if you give 10% to God, it's like a genie in a bottle, you're gonna rub it at the end of the year and poof, three wishes come out. That's not the way it works. But I will tell you this, that if you will trust God in your finances, starting right here in the beginning of a brand new year, you'll get to the end of the year And just like the children of Israel, you'll notice that your shoes lasted longer. The timing belt on your car didn't wear out. I made that one up. But there'll be enough food in the pantry. There'll be enough to give to somebody else that's in need. Trust God with what he has blessed you with. Return unto him a portion that rightfully belongs to him anyway. It's all his. It's just returning unto God, partnering with God in your finances. Can't think of a better way to start the new year than to partner with God. Thank you, thank you for all those that supported and helped us last year. We finished the year in record form. In a couple of weeks on a Wednesday night, we're gonna have our annual family meeting. You can come, whether you're a member or not, you can be there to hear all that God did last year for us. It's miraculous, it really is. I mean, I would love to, to share it with you. It is miraculous. And then we're gonna project forward what God is gonna do in the new year. And we're gonna encounter the Lord, amen? We're gonna encounter Jesus in the new year. God bless you, I love you. Next week, I start a brand new series called The Core. This may be the most uh, foundational series that, that I do all year long, and that is that we are going to get to the core values of New Freedom Church. If you wanna know the mission, the vision, the core of what makes this congregation what it is, then you'll wanna join us for the next four weeks. F-R-E-E, free. If you wanna be free, the core is how you do it. Love you. We'll see you back next week.